Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Letters Home. I'm your podcast host, Lauren Muse. This podcast talks about letters written by U.S. servicemen during World War II. I've found these letters in antique stores and eBay and other places where, well, family heirlooms seem to go to be forgotten sometimes. In the podcast, I share the letters and give insight as to the lives prior, during, and after the war, showing where and how they served. It's my hope that someone will hear the podcast, recognize family connections, and contact me. These letters home, well, they belong home, with descendants to cherish and show with pride. Our letter for this week was written by Staff Sergeant Galen D. Burney, U.S. Army Medical Corps. Galen Darlin Bernie was born May 1, 1913 in Hidington, Nebraska. He was the older of two sons born to George and Inez Bernie. His father, George, was a farmer, and in 1920, the family was working on a farm in Presho City, South Dakota. In 1926, we find that Galen was a paper boy from a newspaper article that told of his run-in with a kind of cranky dog. The Sioux City Journal reported August 4th, Galen Burney, age 13, a journal carrier paperboy, was bitten by a vicious dog early Tuesday. Young Burney was bitten while delivering newspapers in the 4500 block on 3rd Ave in Morningside, the dog sinking its fangs into the lad's left leg below the knee. The dog, according to the report to Mr. Hayes, is owned by persons residing on 3rd Ave, and an officer was sent there to give orders regarding the observation of the beast to ascertain if it was a rabies sufferer. Its victim is under the care of a doctor. In 1930, the family was living in Sioux City, renting a home, and George was employed as a livestock dealer, and Galen and his brother Harold, well, they were still attending school. In 1940, we find Galen living on his own, lodging in Sioux City, renting a room with the widow Tilly Johnson, her daughter, and her mother. He was employed as a yardman for the Livestock Commission Company, making $936 a year. On October 16, 1940, Galen reported to the Woodbury County Local Board No. 3, Sioux City, Iowa, and registered for the draft. 
He was 27 years old and employed at the Hudson Co. Commission Company Stockyard in Sioux City. He's described as 5 foot 10 and a half inches tall, 160 pounds, hazel eyes, blonde hair, and a light complexion. And he lists Mrs. Johnson, his landlady, as the person that would always know his address. I've had some people write in to ask why the draft records always note a person that would always know the register's address. I thought I'd take a moment and give some insight as to the 1940 draft. I looked up some information on the National World War II Museum.org website, and here's some info that I found. On September 16, 1940, the United States instituted the Selective Training and Services Act of 1940, which required all men between the ages of 21 and 35 to register for the draft. This was the first peacetime draft in United States history. While the United States was not yet involved in the Second World War, President Franklin D. Roosevelt thought it was important to begin training American men for military service just in case his country was pulled into the war. At the time, he thought Great Britain was likely to be the next target and there was little confidence in Great Britain's ability to defeat Germany on its own. Roosevelt signed the Selective Service and Training Act, which required all male citizens between the ages of 21 and 35 to register with their local draft board. Upon approving the act, Roosevelt said, America stands at the crossroads of its destiny. Time and distance have been shortened. A few weeks have seen great nations fall. We cannot remain indifferent to the philosophy of force now rampant in the world. We must and will marshal our great potential strength to fend off war from our shores. We must and will prevent our land from becoming a victim of aggression. Those who were selected from the draft lottery were required to serve at least one year in the armed forces. Once the U.S. entered World War II, draft terms were extended, and they served through the duration of the fighting. By the end of the war in 1945, 50 million men between 18 and 45 had registered for the draft, and 10 million had been inducted into the military. Although the U.S. was not at war, many people in the government and in the country believed that the U.S. would eventually be drawn into the wars that were being fought in Europe and East Asia. Isolationism, or the belief that America should do whatever it could to stay out of the war, was still strong. But with the fall of France to the Germans in June of 1940, Americans were growing uneasy about Great Britain's ability to defeat Germany on its own. Our own military was woefully unprepared to fight a global war should it be called on to do so. National polls showed a growing majority in favor of instituting a draft. As men filed into their local town halls and county boards to sign up, they had to give the registrar a way to contact them should their draft number be called. There were no emails or cell phones in 1940. In fact, the U.S. government estimated that only 35% of U.S. households even had a telephone. 
The U.S. mail was the only way to notify the, notify the draftee. The person that would always know your address was a backup address of sorts. If mail did not reach you to the address you gave as your own address, correspondence would go out to the backup. And sometimes if that didn't work, the military would make a visit to some of these addresses. Galen Burney was called up to the U.S. Army and received training for the medical division as a part of the 108th General Hospital. On July 22, 1943, the Cedar County News of Hardington, Nebraska, reported that PFC Galen Burney, son of Mr. and Mrs. George Burney, had been promoted to the rank of corporal, and he was stationed at the time in New Orleans. On September 11, 1943, the Norfolk Daily News of Norfolk, Nebraska, reported that Corporal Galen Burney of Fort Devens, Mass., was home spending a 15-day furlough with his parents. On October 9, 1943, the 108th General Hospital boarded and sailed for England. By the end of December 1943, the 108th had admitted 1,779 patients, of whom 774 remained in the hospital. 15 had been transferred to other hospitals, 15 were sent home, and three died, and the balance discharged and returned back to duty. On July 7th, the 108th received orders to move from Wales to Southampton, where they boarded the HMS Langibby Castle, which set sail as part of a convoy to Utah Beach in France. The passengers disembarked offshore by being lowered into LCTs and brought ashore. The 108th then moved to Torsville, three miles east of Cherbourg, and then on to Paris. The 108th General Hospital was the first hospital to begin operations in Paris. They took over the Boujon Hospital, a 12-story building located in Paris. The hospital had been in the hands of the Germans since the capture of Paris in 1940 until the liberation of Paris by the Allies. Some of the first patients were German POWs that were trapped between the U.S. and Allied forces in Belgium. And following that, an increasing volume of Allied GIs from the battlefield. At one time, 500 arrived at the hospital in just three hours and another 1,000 in 48 hours. The letter I have written by, at this time, Staff Sergeant Galen D. Burney was written May 5, 1945 from 108th in Paris, two days before the official surrender of Germany. He wrote to his friend Mrs. Hazel Munson in Denver, Colorado. Dear Hazel, received your letter a couple of days ago and answering right away. You did not have my right APO, but I got the letter all right. I'm feeling fine and getting along all right. We have quite a little work to do, but have a nice place to work and to live. The time seems to go by fast. We have our own dorms, and once in a while we get to play golf about 15 miles from here. We had a hard time getting golf balls, but, well, we managed to get a few now and then. Paris is beautiful in the spring, and there is always plenty going on. 
Have not heard from Harold for quite a while, but the folks wrote he was in reinforcements. I think he's still in Italy. Should hear from him soon. There are some boys from Denver in our unit, and of course they think it's the best city in the States. I always thought it was nice. The war is about over on this front. Maybe it won't be too many years before we get to go home. So long, and write if you can, as ever, Galen. After the war, Galen did return home to Sioux City and moved back to Mrs. Johnson's rooming house. He returned to his job in the cattle industry, showing on the 1950 census his occupation as a cattle buyer. September 25, 1956, Galen Burney was in a terrible auto accident and his life was taken. The Cedar County News reported on September 27, 1956. Galen Burney dies Tuesday, former resident injured in wreck. Galen D. Burney of Sioux City died early Tuesday morning at St. Joseph's Hospital in Sioux City of severe head injuries he received in an auto accident on Highway 50, three miles west of Gayville, South Dakota, Saturday night. Bernie, a former Hardington youth, was listed in critical condition since the time of the accident. He was a nephew of Senator Dwight Bernie and Mrs. Lenise Marsh of Hardington. Other survivors include his parents, Mr. and Mrs. George Bernie of Culver City, California, and a brother Harold, also of California. Officers said the accident occurred when Bernie, driving east, was passing a truck headed in the same direction. His car reportedly collided with one driven by Richard Gillespie, age 19, of Sioux City. Bernie was taken to Sacred Heart Hospital in Yankton following the accident and then transferred to St. Joseph's. Gillespie was dismissed from Sacred Heart after being treated for cuts and bruises. Miss Barbara Pitts, 18, of South Sioux City, a passenger in Gillespie's car, suffered minor head injuries. The article continues. Funeral services were held this afternoon, Thursday, at the W. Harry Christie Funeral Home in Morningside. Burial was in Memorial Park Cemetery. Reverend W. R. Moore, a pastor of Morningside Presbyterian Church, officiated. Masonic rites were conducted at graveside. Mr. Burney was born May 1, 1913 in Hardington and moved to Sioux City in 1924. He was a partner in the firm of Hudson and Burney Livestock and Cattle Dealers. He was a member of Morningside Lodge 615 and Abu Becker Shrine. Mr. Burney was in the medical department in World War II and after his discharge, he worked for several livestock firms at the stockyards. Galen Burney never married, but his brother Harold did, and he had a son, Harold Jr. As always, if anyone knows of the Burney family, please drop me a line at warrenfamily at outlook.com. I would love to send this letter home to family. As my listeners know, I always take the time to research where our letter writers are laid to rest. 
I do this in hopes that, well, maybe if my listeners are in the area of one of these cemeteries, they could perhaps take a moment to visit the graves of these World War II heroes. This is important all year round, but perhaps more so during the holiday season. The wonderful organization Reese Across America is once again gearing up for their annual nationwide initiative to honor each veteran's grave with a beautiful wreath. Their mission is to remember, honor, and teach. Remember the fallen, honor those who serve, and teach the next generation the value of freedom. This year, National Wreaths Across America Day will be held Saturday, December 16th. Please join the more than 2 million volunteers and supporters who will gather at more than 4,000 participating locations in all 50 states, overseas, and at sea. You can help by sponsoring a wreath or volunteering your time to help lay wreaths in your area. Please visit wreathsacrossamerica.org. I'll put the link to their website on my Facebook page, as well as in the podcast episode description. Thank you to all that take part in this beautiful holiday tribute to our veterans. Thank you for joining me for another story of a World War II hero. All details in this podcast were discovered by research done by me using military genealogy and newspaper search sites. The original letter written by Staff Sergeant Bernie was obtained by me through an auction site. If you know of the family, please contact me at warrenfamily at outlook.com. As always, please support our military both active and veteran status. These men and women sacrifice to protect our country and its ideals, whether in war or peacetime. Please remember them during the holidays. After all, it's because of them that we have the freedom to celebrate as we choose. Until next week, this is Lauren Muse, and you've been listening to Warren Family Ladders Home. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.